This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Oh, oh my wow. God. Oh my Lord. Mitch, I've lived in my house for eight years. I'm still unpacking. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them that. How many, yeah, how many boxes of shoes are you unpacking? <laughs> oh. Actually, that's a good question. I don't want to say. I'm, I'm with Mitch on say. this one. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, okay. I can get the uh, countdown started then with a five. Four, three, two, and one. All right, happy hour, listeners. Welcome to November. We hope that your Halloween was a safe, eventful, and sweet one with all the tricks and treats that you could ever ask for. Be it young or old, just do your thing. My name is David Oje, and I am at MetalDave01 on Twitter.com, and I'm joined, as always, by Beth. Hello. I'm at H-I-V-E-R-H-U-I-T on Twitter.com. And Veronica. Yeah, I'm at C-H-I-L-E underscore Pepper on Twitter.com. Is that what it is? Great. Awesome. And uh, (laughs) we are the happy hour at happy hour on twitter um we actually have somebody else with us tonight and we're literally overjoyed uh to have this guest he is a longtime contributor with tsn 690 and is essentially an icon of montreal uh sports radio we are bringing to you tonight mitch melnick mr melnick how are you doing tonight calm down guys it's just me (laughs) <laughs> no, come on. Listen, I was in Montreal for um, uh, for the for the Leafs Habs game, and as soon as I step off the metro, there's just posters of you plastered all over the metro walls, and I'm like, oh boy, well I got to talk well, to this guy taken, in a few weeks. <laughs> it's taken forty years. Yeah, nice. yeah. Some people are trying to rip those posters down. Really? Oh no. Oh yeah. What? <laughs> How obscene! <laughs> well, if I catch them, I'm gonna beat them up, and I'm not even joking. <laughs> It's like Milan Lucic on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd have to see. So, um, yeah, so we're here to, let's see, talk some Habs. Um, the first month of the season is over. Um, October is off to kind of a, uh, I don't know, an interesting start. We really don't know what the identity of the team is, I don't think, when it comes to, to the Habs and the rest of the season we have a lot of things that we were looking forward to uh with the preseason of course with the tandem of Kakaniemi Suzuki and of course all the news with Ryan Paling uh today well yesterday when the uh no it was today right that that it was mm-hmm. broken that he came and he's with the big club now and he'll be having his debut against the Bruins uh tomorrow night um and now we're just kind of wondering what's the team going to look like for the rest of the season and I know, uh, Mitch, of course, you were talking uh, about this today uh, with Pierre Maguire. You had him on, and you guys were talking about all sorts of stuff. So, um, Paling, he's a type of player, I think that was mentioned, of course, that he shines in adversity. I'm wondering, uh, what do you think he can bring to the Habs against the Bruins, who just came off a 6-4 win against the Penguins somehow, <laughs> some way? Uh, yeah, they got uh, 44 sh- uh, Penguins took over the game. What a weird game that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an example of how good the Bruins are. Even games they should lose, they're finding ways to win them. Uh, the thing about Paling very early on, obviously, and it's not just the hat trick and shootout goal against Toronto last season to wrap up the season. He seems to rise to the occasion. He's got a he's got a flair for the dramatic. He looked good early on in training camp, and then he got concussed. I think everybody was looking forward to him making the team, but they made the right decision he didn't play very much and uh i don't think anybody knowing his nature how competitive he is and uh was that surprised that he uh he didn't get off to a good start because he really mm-hmm. he's so ultra confident i mean all these young players with the canadian suzuki's the same way kale Fleury's the same way they're ultra confident and he really didn't give it any thought that he was going to do anything but make the canadians out of camp so there was a letdown for sure and mm-hmm. um I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing Claude Julien is thrilled. I don't know if he's ever spoken for 90 seconds straight about a player ever before. <laughs> like he did at his Meet the Media session today. He's Claude Julien's type of player. He's, uh, uh, he's low maintenance. He knows the game. He's smart. He's got good size. He's strong. Skates well. Uh, he's got an offensive touch. 
so he's I'm anxious to see him play against you know you, you, against the best team in the league. I think he is once again going to rise to the occasion. He's he did it at the World Juniors, and uh, I'm not expecting. I don't think fans should expect a point a game player, but uh, he's an important part of what this team was going to be about this season. And it's now here. Yeah, that moment is now here for sure. And I just wanted to mention more about him rising to the occasion because, again, something that Pierre Maguire had mentioned today that perhaps some other people that listen to the podcast haven't heard is that he was 17 years old playing in college uh, level <laughs> hockey, which is something that um, you know f- just pretty much furthered his career. And I believe that the term used today was that he's more physically mature, perhaps, than say. Uh, Kokaniemi and Suzuki. So it's going to be really interesting to see him essentially being flung to the Wolves or the Bears. Ha! That is the uh, this Boston <laughs> Bruin team that's going to be coming into Montreal. So I'm also looking forward to it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think fans got a little glimpse uh, in game 82 last season and, <laughs> uh, you know, it's mm. historic. What mm-hmm. he did was historic. I don't care if the yeah. game is meaningless. I don't, you know, what he did is he's entering this season having played one game in the NHL with three goals. I mean, that's <laughs> weird. You know, it's weird in a good way. It's a it's a stat line you don't often see. And uh, I uh, I'm a believer in signs, early signs of of athletes in in sports and whatever sport that you get a pretty good handle of what they're about early on. And I think the fact that he did what he did in the final game of the season on Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, it, it's it's a circus-like atmosphere. I, That's a, I think there's something. Yeah, I, you know, after what he did with the with the junior team, there's I think that he's got a special quality about him. I'll, you know, in terms of natural talent, he's not the most naturally gifted athlete, but it doesn't matter. You know, people are still knocking Suzuki for not skating well. Now, haven't you? You know, haven't these people seen John Tavares make the kind of career that he's made for himself? It doesn't matter. There's a certain special element that that these players possess that you can't teach. And so they're ahead of the game already when when they have everything that you need to succeed at the NHL level and being in the right place at the right time, playing well positionally, just having a sixth sense on the ice. The puck seems to follow guys like that around and uh I think they got a couple of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying, Mitch, about um, this team being uh, sort of winning games that they're, or, or, or he winning games that they're not supposed to win. The Habs have been doing that this year. Um, I, the, it seems like the, the games that they've lost and played badly has been against competition that, they were expected to beat. So they've been, they've been, they beat Toronto. They've got a three, uh, what is that? A three game winning streak against Toronto now since the last season, since the last game that um, Paling and the first game that Paling played. Can I let Veronica know something? Of course. Uh Yes. I have a tattoo of Bugs Bunny on my shoulder. (gasps) (laughs) Oh (laughs) Oh, no. Oh my God. (laughs) It's it's Bugs Bunny uh, tossing a baseball up in the air. Oh my God. 18 years. Mitch. So every time the Leafs lose, I get a real kick. Out. <laughs> oh no! That's amazing. That's awesome. A happy hour exclusive. Yay! For... That is an exclusive. That's awesome, Mitch. Thank he's you, my Mitch. favorite comedian. Oh, he's the best. I love Bugs yeah. too. Oh my god, um, that's an amazing. I love it. Why a baseball? Awesome. Mitch loves baseball. Um, you all, yeah, I'm a big baseball guy, and I I was a better ball player than I was a hockey player, but it just so happened to be. I was in New York uh, in 2001 with Sean Starr, actually. We went down there, and it was Sean's birthday, and I wanted to get him a tattoo in the Oh, that's a a party. All right. And uh, (laughs) he, uh, I don't know if he was afraid of the needle or if he just didn't see anything he really liked. But I was looking around, and I saw this Bugs Bunny uh, (gasps) image on the wall, and I said, uh, okay, forget it, That's John. It. Your time's up. I'm, I'm getting this done. And it was Ooh, a very awesome. talented Hawaiian artist. And uh, yeah, it's the, it's a, it's a conversation piece. That's for sure. Yes, exactly. That is really great. A tattoo that's in the village. Awesome. Wow. And also, Mitch, you were a play-by-play guy with um, Elliot Price for the Montreal Expos. Yeah, the last, the last two years I worked with Elliot. Uh, the first, yeah. the, the second to last year was fun because. 
uh, going into September, they were actually part of a wild card race. And we thought that maybe there would be like this last gasp, uh, uh, which really was mm-hmm. the last gasp of the franchise. But oh, yeah. uh, um, by September the 5th, I think they were out of it again. But they had they went into Florida, lost a four-game series to the Marlins. But prior to, this, prior to that series starting, they had a shot at the wild card. And then the last year was just dreadful. I don't know how Elliot... He's such a professional. He kept it up all year. It was a big mm-hmm. difference from year to year because we knew, a lot of us knew that was it. It was just a question of when they were going to pull the plug. And we finally got the, the official announcement the night before the final game, right? So, uh, oh, oof, man. Uh, yeah, that was wow. that was like being at a, a year-long funeral procession. That's what that yeah. was. Like. But the second to last year was a lot of fun working with him. And you guys are related by marriage. We used to be related. He is married to my ex-sister-in-law. Who he so met cool. at my wedding? Yeah, her, her, <laughs> his his wife's sister is my ex-wife. Uh, we're very we're still very very good friends. She takes care of my cats actually when I when I uh, go out of town. She's nice. my cat sitter, my ex-wife. Yeah, excellent, that's great. That's good to hear. So uh, with a bit of the Expos talk, of course, we probably have to mention uh, the Nationals, of course, winning the, uh, World Series. Um, what's your take on the whole Expos-Nationals thing now-a-days? I know some people in Montreal are saying, hey, great, Expos 2.0. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did it. And a no, lot of people are completely no, disenfranchised. Nobody, yeah. There's practically nobody who feels that way in Montreal. No Mitch, did you see Mick Mulvaney was wearing, was, was wearing an Expos cap at the White House today? Oh, what's Ugh, he running for? Exactly. Ugh, no, I don't know what he's, he's, look, I, he's I, acting. Mm. I, I enjoyed seeing, you know, this is where there's a split with me and some longtime Expo fans. I enjoyed seeing a future Hall of Famer decked out in Expo's colors uh, in the summer when Max Scherzer did what he did to promote Throwback Day. And it just, I can't deny what it did to me. And it just struck, it hit, it hit me in a way that I reacted um in the manner in which I did, which kind of surprised me, uh, and I warmed up to it. I didn't warm up to the team necessarily, but I, I just enjoyed seeing that uniform moving uh, mm-hmm. on a major league field again because it brought me back to the glory years of the franchise. And then as their season progressed, I, it was hard not to pull for them. I mean, they were the they were 12 games under 500 at one point. No team's ever done that to win the World Series, and uh, uh-huh. I enjoyed watching them play. I don't view them as the team that took our team away. I don't view them. They had nothing to do with it. It was, you know, it was the local owners um, uh, that really botched things uh, in the nineties that led to Loria coming in and the whole fiasco. But uh, so I, I don't have any, I feel good for the fans in Washington. They waited long enough. And they've definitely had a good run the past couple of years. It seems. Well, yeah, they've had the, we know what it's like in Montreal as baseball fans. Mm -hmm. We never, you know, having gone into the postseason. And, and coming up short in the year of 90. Well, we don't have to go back to 94. Can we get back to hockey? <laughs> <laughs> of course we can get back to hockey. So Ryan yes. Paling is going to be centering Paul Byron and Arturi Lekkonen, two players whom I'm sure are looking for uh, better games ahead, especially with Paul Byron. One makes you It makes you wonder, like, what's, um, you know, what's his deal? He hasn't been uh, producing, at least, you know, still, you know, playing uh, to his ability, and, and it's good. Just uh, hasn't really uh, been on the board all that much. Well, when you're 14 games into a season and you're a two-time 20 goal scorer, and uh, he would have hit 20 again last year if he hadn't been hurt. There's, you know, there's it's beyond pressing at this point. The thing that that's um, I wouldn't say worrisome yet. I'd like to I like to give veteran players, especially the uh, I like to see them on a longer leash. 20 games, you know, maybe yeah. uh, uh, American Thanksgiving. I haven't seen the burst of speed from Byron. Usually he's he breaks through for a couple of breakaways every second game, especially killing penalties. Uh, and he's been part of a penalty killing unit that has not been very good. Yes. So he's just he's in a funk like we haven't seen since they got him. And maybe Paling will provide some kind of spark. Maybe it's just a, a Montreal Bruins uh, matchup uh, for the first time this season that will create some kind of spark. Maybe the fact that he uh, was in on Lekkonen's goal to finish off the road trip uh, gives him a little bit of confidence. Maybe it gives Lekkonen a little more confidence. We'll see. Um, because it can't continue the way it's been uh, for Paul Byron. He can't keep playing games without not even getting shots away 
um, and not creating offense with his speed, which is his greatest strength. I'd like to believe it's just a funk right now. Yeah, I agree. He did we, say... you first, Beth. Um, uh, about a little over a week ago, he had a. Uh, there's an article from Stu Cowan, um, and he said that he thinks he's close to finding his game, and he's hoping that getting the first goal back, getting the first goal of the season will help him get back on track offensively. But he doesn't want to just get he doesn't he doesn't want to just score score goals and then cheat his game everywhere else he wants to make sure he's playing a full game and um also being able to be a support player as well as an offensive player well we know we know what how valuable paul byron is a guy who rarely gets any power play time and he scored 20 goals yeah. if the puck's mm-hmm. on his stick in the slot and close to the net it's it's in it's a goal he's got a great shooting percentage he's a good defensive player He's he's uh, uh, he's inspirational. He's fun to watch. We're, we, that's but we haven't seen that guy yet. And we're just waiting for him. It's mm-hmm. much like Suzuki, right? Suzuki's when he scored his first goal, he talked about how the pressure was lifted off his shoulders. He was he'd been fighting the puck. Happens to everybody. You yeah. fight the puck, you lose confidence. You have that split second of hesitation instead of things coming naturally. Happens to everybody at some point. And again, Paul Byron has been incredibly consistent. Since he got a regular shot with the Canadians, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to wait this out a little more before people proclaim his career over. And Mitch, we saw in we we've talked about it on the podcast previously that we saw him in the preseason. You oh, will man. remember. Oh, I don't know if you watched it, but um, in the pre a preseason game where he was at the net at his net, and a goal went in, and he broke his stick. That was during the uh, red and white scrimmage. Oh, the scrimmage. And that's yes, why it was incredible. Like, I, I went to that scrimmage and, you know, just watching for fun. But um, some of the things I noticed was that, man, was he playing mad now. And I understand mm-hmm. him being a veteran player. One would assume, yeah, he's going to make the team, uh, of course, after the preseason. But I just wondered if there was something else going on, like, aside from hockey. Because, man, he, like, he broke his stick in half because he let a goal in yeah. during a scrimmage. But, and also, too, he dumped Nick Cousins like a sack of potatoes at one point at mid-ice. And I was like, whoo, that's a teammate. <laughs> so, yeah. it was it was just really interesting well, it's, to it's see. Hard to, yeah, it's, I don't pay too much attention uh, to, to exhibition stuff. I only started to because I kept hearing about Suzuki, so I, I yeah. tuned in. Suzuki and Palin. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought I was missing something there. But the uh, thing about Byron is he seems to always, you know, he just signed a new contract, and yet he was in a position at the beginning of training camp of looking at the depth chart and going, you know, where, you know, they just signed me. What Did they sign me for this term and money to be a fourth-line guy? Every mm-hmm. year he has to seemingly prove himself all over again, and maybe he – like, I don't know. I'm just speculating. Maybe he's just mm-hmm. fed up. He's hearing the trade rumors. He heard the trade rumors very early on. Um, so I, it's hard to get into somebody else's head. He's a proud guy. He's thrilled to be wearing an A for the Montreal Canadiens. He's from down the road in Ottawa. Um, I, uh, I I think we might see a, a, a kind of a, a you know, 20,000 people let out a sigh of relief at the same time if he can put the puck in the net in the next game or two like we saw with Mete the other night. For sure. Yeah. Oh, my God, and Mete. <laughs> on our podcast, we have Paul Byron's biggest fan. Oh, yes. And her name is Beth. <laughs> <laughs> well deserved. So. Did, you hear, did you ever hear Knuckles describe Paul Byron? I have not. He, he said he looks like one of those old photos of a World War One soldier. <laughs> oh my God! This is so true. <laughs> I oh want to see him go to like one of those like theme parks where you can like dress up and they take the like sepia <laughs> yeah. photo. <laughs> I feel like that would be his jam. <laughs> and he looks like a teenager now that he's saved. Know, he's, he's a baby. Such a baby. <laughs> He's got those skinny legs, right? Yeah. You almost think that they're going to snap in two if he gets hit the wrong way. They're roadrunner legs. 
Yeah, perfect. Exactly. <laughs> no, he's an inspiration for me too, because he's a little guy essentially, but he can do great things. And uh, you know, whenever I play hockey, I'm like, well, you know, there's a guy somewhere in the NHL that's about my size, and he's tearing it up, and I just don't have the resources he does, <laughs> or the natural <laughs> talent, of course, that Sir Paul Byron has as well. I hope he finds it soon. He will. Well, I'm sure. I believe in him. They they need him. You know, that whole yeah. line, Kotkaniemi, Byron, and, and Lekkonen, were, were, it's hard to tell, were they all out of sync at the same time? Was it Were, were they all mm -hmm. trying to do too much at the same time because they all got off to slow starts at the same time? It's it's hard to tell. And I think I think uh, energy of, of, uh, of paling will help loosen things up a little tomorrow. Certainly. It's going to be fun. Yeah, with, uh, with paling too, I'm wondering um... – I believe it was uh, reported that they were trying him out on the special teams as well, including the penalty kill, which I think that's probably the most pressing thing uh, with the team at the moment is just, man, whenever they have to defend a penalty, it's it's like a horror show watching what's going on yeah. in their zone. Um, granted, there was a good stretch on the on the recent uh, road trip. Where they, they went three games without getting a power play goal against. And then the Dallas game happened, and it kind of went off the rails. But um, I believe... Also, Dave, yes. might I, can I just interject that those were the games that I was um, tweeting from the Happy Hour account. So, okay. <laughs> That's nice. I was actually at the games, so... <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> Hold my beer. No, no there, was, there was a lot of that in Vegas. Holy cow. What a good time. But um, so I just kind of wonder if Paling will might get some uh, time with the with the penalty kill squad. Yeah, for sure. That's part Can't of hurt. Game. That's part of this game. <laughs> and, and you're right. You know, when Claude Julien, uh, where, where was that home game? Uh, oh. Afterwards, he was really angry and he said, we're going to get to work on it. And they did. Um, yes. Was that San Jose maybe? They, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was San Jose. But there was a couple I mean, of bullshit penalties in that one, too. Sorry yeah, for my language. Don't that? apologize. Sorry, nothing. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of BS penalties in that game, too. The San yeah, Jose BS game. BS penalties every night. There's That's just, true. I don't know. There's a... Just feels like it only happens to us. If I may interject further, was that <laughs> a penalty shot in Dallas? No, it's it's not. But you know what? If that's if that's an indication of what we're going to see, then bring it on. Yeah. You know, if you if you're going to hit a guy from behind with your stick, then call it a penalty shot because that has mm. as much to do with getting in the way of a breakaway as as what we saw the other night. But I'm all for more penalty shots and more offense. So yes, just be consistent about it. If that's the standard, let's see it happen a lot more. For sure, and that's the whole thing is the consistency of the calls. It's the only thing that we can hope for. Uh, when it comes to a game with as much parity as hockey. So, here's the hope. <laughs> well, hopefully they'll be as consistent as they've been with calling the slashes. Like, they've been so slash happy for the last couple of years. If they're going to... The, the, my yeah, I, don't gripe... mind the slashes. I don't mind the yeah. slashing calls on the, on the hands. That no, has neither to do be I. Called. But yes. I, do, I do... What bothers me is... Um, the Tatar slash, he was involved in a, just an old-fashioned puck battle, and he tried mm. to he tried to slash the guy's stick. Who he, I forget who it was. Um, uh, I forget too. Yeah, which time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seems uh, Tatar's uh, uh, the whistle was follow was it... him. No, it was uh, it was in a win. It was a guy in Arizona, yeah, Clayton Keller. That's who it was. It was Ooh. Clayton Keller, and he slashed his stick. Keller held on to his stick, uh, and then he tried to lift his stick and get the puck away. And uh, because the, the initial slash on the shaft of the stick uh, was the one that was called, and I, I just, uh, if you break a guy's stick, then call it. But if, you know, right yeah. now a, guy, a, a, a player will feel a stick come into contact with his and he'll drop it to draw a penalty, mm. which is, you know, that's total BS. I just, mm -hmm. I just miss the old fashioned puck battles. And part of puck battles is getting your stick in there and smacking the other guy's stick out of the way to get the puck. That's right. To me, it's well, and, and that's the other thing is that Claude Julian wants them to win their puck battles, but they're also afraid of taking penalties because they don't want to go on the penalty kill. <laughs> 
So it's a little bit of like this whole circle of things. Um, and besides the fact that Tatar has been in the penalty doghouse since beginning yeah. the beginning of the season as well. But I just want them to call everything consistently because I do have um, it's it's annoying to me that it's just kind of this accepted thing that refs will make bad calls and do non calls and make makeup calls and they're kind of dictating the drama of the game. They're they're kind of dictating the script of the game. It's 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 not some, like, it's not like so egregious, but it is something that exists and people just accept it. And yeah, it's like an unwritten thing. Yeah, to say you know they'll say they don't referee by the score. I can tell you, Kerry Fraser, to his credit, he did not. You knew going into a game mm -hmm. that Kerry Fraser was liable to call a penalty against anybody, no matter where he was, at any time, including overtime. And <laughs> that's the way an NHL referee should work. Yes. Incredible and, guy, too, Kerry Fraser. I had the pleasure of meeting him in March. Yeah, Dave went to fantasy camp. <laughs> I didn't oh, yeah? say that. Yeah, no. So the Habs have their <laughs> fantasy camp, and who was the guest ref? But none other than the great Kerry Frazier. And boy, did he have stories to tell. He was a very funny guy, and um, great ambassador to the game. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Well, that's the best part of the fantasy camps. I went to four Expos fantasy camps, and that's I loved so cool. playing. I was a good ball player, and I loved playing and hanging out with all the guys. But you know, a couple of days it was raining, and we'd gather in the clubhouse and just listen to the former players swap stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was amazing to listen to that. Oh yeah, we had uh, we had the pleasure of having, uh, of course, Momo, Sergio Momesso, um, and um, Josh Georges, and Guy, and Ivan, and <laughs> you know, you can rattle off the names, but yeah, we had um, but it was uh, Georges and uh, Frazier that we were uh, around most of the time, and uh, Josh Georges by himself. Wow, what a guy! Just an incredible yeah, you person. See why his teammates loved him. Huh? Oh, easily. Yeah. Mitch, do you know how Guy Lafleur is doing? Uh, we were told not any more than than you do. I don't have any inside info, but the okay. you know the news after the operation was good, and uh, I assume I you know I don't know for a fact mm -hmm. if he had still continued to smoke, but I'm sure we've seen the last of the <laughs> inhaling uh, the nicotine. <laughs> At this point, he got a he got a second chance here. Yeah. And hopefully, we'll take care of himself now. I love the guy. Hope so. Oh yeah. yeah. Same. Class act. Absolutely. And always okay. spoke his mind. Always just didn't, yeah. didn't care where where he was, or you know, much to the chagrin of sometimes the Canadians over the years, when, <laughs> uh, it meant aiming a gun at them verbally. But uh, mm. you, you got to admire people like that who aren't afraid to say what they think. For sure, and he's yeah. definitely he's definitely earned the right because there's a you know there's a statue of the guy up in the plaza there <laughs> as well. So, absolutely, now Gilfer is an All excellent guy. All the best to Guy. Absolutely. So let's yeah. see here. What else did we have going? So um um um, I guess one of the the big surprises of this season so far is that is how well the penalty I mean not have how the power play has been. So it's kind of a seesaw, right? We get the power play going and the penalty kill goes to, you know, the bucket. While last year, you know, it was almost the opposite. We had a pretty decent penalty kill. Well, the power play itself was ugh, awful. So I kind of, it, it just, I wonder how something like that happens. Why, what, what's missing from the penalty kill? I don't know. Uh, I just think it's focus. It's focus and, and concentration and attention to detail. They were so good at it once they got Nate Thompson last year. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's always been the hallmark of a Julian team, a very strong penalty kill. And, um, and normally if the penalty killing is going south, it's usually the goaltending. But that has not been the case. No. I mean, the number of high-quality shots from the slot, the passes that have been completed, zigzagging across the ice. I mean, this is uh, – it, it was just a breakdown. I, again, I think they were getting a, a handle on it uh, to choke off all the shooting lanes. Um, but, again, that requires – uh, focus and uh, I thought that with the no coming off the power play it would be more helpful than it was because he was you know he wasn't on the penalty kill as often as he had been because he was taking a regular shift on the top line and was early on on a lot of power plays and uh, that was taken away from his PK time and I think it's I think that hurt them a little bit um, but we'll we'll see I'm I'm not as concerned about the 
the penalty kill longer term. No, me uh, neither. Than what we've seen recently. I'm not. I'm actually more concerned about the power play right now. Even though, uh, you yeah. know, it's it's it, you know if they're if they can can if they can maintain where they are, middle of the pack, twenty percent, twenty two percent. Once you start sliding down to 18, 16%, you're in trouble because uh, there are too many games won and lost with the power play. They, uh, it's, it's too vital. And, man, there have been some power plays that have looked like a team from the 70s where they're in constant motion. They're moving the puck. They're moving it back and forth across the ice. They're making it difficult for uh, defenders to focus on anybody. They're getting the goaltender moving. And then there are others where it's a carbon copy of, of last year where they're stationary, they don't feel confident. They're making passes that are easy to track, and they're taking shots where the goaltender can see them. So that's what I saw on this road trip, except for the tying goal by Tatar in Vegas, or the third goal, the third goal, which was basically because of a, of a good power play. I didn't like the power play at all on the road, and I saw some, some bad habits creeping back in. Yeah. they gotta be, they got to be in constant motion, these guys. Like Domi gets the puck on his stick, He's got to move it, move it, mm-hmm. skate with it, circle with it. All these guys have got to keep doing that, and that makes it really difficult for uh, defenders. Yeah, I was noticing that too on the road trip, and it kind of came to a paramount in uh, in in Dallas because, holy cow, they had five chances on the power play, and each one of them did not look that great at all. Yeah. And I believe that they had them, um, and this is just like a, a deployment thing I was wondering about putting wheel uh, no not wheel I'm sorry putting a uh, Mike Riley on the point for the first power play unit I was really wondering if that was like more of an experiment to see what to give Riley like the chance to prove himself with something there you know with the first unit and then have the second regular unit try to clean up stuff but just whatever was happening they couldn't get a groove going at all in Dallas when it came to the power play let's pause here and take a moment to hear from another podcast in the Big Heads Media Network. Hey Husker fans, Justin here. Come join me and the cousins Derek and Tyler each week on the Husker Cuzcast as we cover all things Nebraska football and more. During the season, look for our entertaining analysis, insight, and debates as we recap each Husker game and preview the next one. We also make picks on the week's biggest college football games. And then each of us gives you our bet of the weekend and mock each other endlessly when one of us gets it wrong. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. And look for our episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and BigHeadsMedia.com. Go Big Red. And here's an ad from the Big Heads Media Network. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. The best part is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit that you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code LATEFEES to activate the offer. That's promo code L-A-T-E-F-E-S, all one word, to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play. You win. You get paid. Yeah, sometimes what happens is the first power play unit or the guys that you want to start just finished a, a shift before the power play starts, so you'll have guys like a, like a Riley out there. I actually like what I've seen from him in the offensive zone this year from the blue line in because the last couple of years he would just, he would just wind up and shoot the puck and it, won't, it would go nowhere. He's very erratic. Uh, so I think they finally got to him. Just, just send the puck to the net. And then yeah. let our guys pounce on it. I, he's doing that a lot more rather than rather than taking uh, shots, which he's not good at. He just does not have a very good, accurate shot. It's hard, but it's not accurate at all. And um, that creates a lot more loose pucks and scoring opportunities. So I, I like what I've seen of, of Riley in that regard. I don't, I'm not saying he should be on the power play unit, but when he does get an opportunity to keep the puck in at the blue line, he's not he's – not, uh, He's, he's making smart plays with it, is mm-hmm. what I've seen so far. Yeah, yeah and, and he, I like that... 
Go ahead. I like that Claude is giving him those opportunities because he hasn't been that reliable on the power play for the past couple of years. And so it's good that I think he's a good coach. I think he's a player's coach. I think that a lot of people give him a hard time, especially on Twitter, the Twitterati, the the peanut gallery, they give him a hard time. But I think he's a player's coach and he understands his players. Um, one thing that I was going to ask you, Mitch, before we're done is you had mentioned to me um, that you had a story that you wanted to share or that you potentially had a story that you could share about Guy Lafleur and the hard time that he had when he first was a Montreal Canadian and the hard time that he had to undergo from the fans in Montreal and how I think, I think it's reminiscent of the treatment that Jonathan Drouin has received from the fans in Montreal and he seems to have turned a corner. Do you... Can you tell us anything about when well, he first came on the scene? Yeah, that was, you know, it was the, the, the symbolic passing of the torch. The Canadians had just won the Cup in Chicago yeah. in 71, and Jean Beliveau uh, skated around the Stanley Cup, uh, uh, Chicago Stadium ice. There's debate about whether he was the first player to actually skate around an ice surface with the Cup. Uh, I can't say definitively he was, but I don't remember it before Beliveau did it. Um before they used to just pose with it, accept it, and then skate off the ice. But Beliveau might have been the first because he was doing a victory lap because he knew he was retiring. Mm. Um, so maybe he, he started something. But the Canadians' number one pick that summer was Guy Lafleur. And uh, there are some people who thought that he should just slide in to replace Beliveau. There were people seriously saying Guy Lafleur should start as a center uh, replacing Jean Beliveau. So that's what he's walking into. <laughs> he had a good, solid rookie season. He scored 29 goals. I think he had 65 points in his rookie year. Um, th then in his second year, we we didn't see uh, uh, we didn't see any progress, but he didn't slide back terribly. I think he scored 28 goals in his second year. You can see how you, the uh, the talent was obvious. The raw talent was obvious, and he was still trying to adapt to the NHL and, and find his way. And that was a pretty, you know, they had Yvonne Cornway on the right wing there. That was mm -hmm. uh, the Canadians' number one right winger. Uh, by the third year, he was a mess. Uh, and there are a lot of questions about him. He scored 21 goals. He barely got to 21 goals. Point total was down. He wasn't, he didn't look good. Um, uh, there was talk that the Quebec Nordiques of the WHA, well, it was more than just talk. The Nordiques wanted him. And uh, the Canadians ultimately signed him to a long-term deal. And I forget the exact time and point of when he made the decision in training camp, the, his fourth year, he took his helmet off. And right. that, just, that just freed him up. It was, again, kind of symbolic. And that's when he became Guy Lafleur. But they were, there were a lot of people down on, uh, on the flower after his third season in Montreal. That, you know, so he's walking into... In, in, in some respects, similar to Drouin, force-feeding him into a position that he didn't fit into as a center because they didn't have anybody mm. to play center, taking him out of his comfort zone with the added pressure of being the local kid. And, uh, and, then, and then last year, he, he did play well. He, he did produce until the season was 55 games old, and then he just hit a wall. And, but to see him... In the exit interviews, when he met the media, to see how it how much it bothered him, I mean that was just a a bundle of stress. Meeting the media afterwards, mm. and uh, and then to to go into training camp, and he said, and I know a lot of people at our station were were very angry when he said, I I think I've had a good camp. He wasn't <laughs> in danger of losing his job. He, there were certain things he, uh, he clearly he was working on. And what he was working on was was tracking the puck and going after the puck, regardless of whether he scored with it or set anybody up. All of these video sessions with Dom Ducharme in the summer was 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 Drew I kind of waiting for somebody else to get him the puck. That's not how he was in junior when he was one of the best players in the country. Mm -hmm. He saw a loose puck. He went he went after it. Didn't matter what part of the ice it was at. And that's when he allowed his creativity to take over. And once the season started, that's the Drew we've seen. Except for maybe the odd shift here or there, he's never going to be a, he's never going to be an ace player responsible in his own end. But as long as he takes care of the puck and uh, remains confident and free and has the ability to see the ice and shoots a little more often, uh, which he's doing with seven goals, 
I I think you know this is this is the breakthrough season that we've been waiting for. I hope I hope he stays healthy, and uh, I hope he can maintain his uh, you know his his uh, the pace all season because it's a it's a real grind. But uh, I'm confident that this is the guy that we're seeing. That's, yeah. that's who he is. I think that it's going to be a combination of his being able to breathe this year because he had that surgery over the summer, as well as he, he, he knows now that he is capable of getting the crowd behind him at the Bell Centre. Like the way that they've been, you know, the couple of times that he's been the first star this season at the Bell Centre and they absolutely adore him there. And he's, yeah. you know, it's, it's almost like Price last or the year before last when he realized... Or was it last year? I can't remember. That, no, two um, seasons ago when they missed the... Uh, yes. Two seasons ago, yeah. Yeah. When he had a bad year. He had a bad year. He had a bad year. Uh, but they still gave him a standing ovation at the end of the season when he uh, reached a milestone. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tough crowd, man. And to uh, put an exclamation point on uh, what you were saying about uh, Guy Lafleur, since I have the stats up here. So in that third year, he managed at 56 points, but he takes the helmet off. That fourth year, he go he jumps from 56 points to 119 <laughs> points, which yeah. is and well, then guy scored 130 goals in junior. So, yeah, yeah, that was it. Was like magic. It was it was it was amazing. Le Demont Blanc. And then four straight Stanley Cups. That's right. And uh, in those years, too, after after he got the 119 points, 100-plus point season, it was, uh, was it five or six straight after that? Uh, and then uh, and then the, the 80s hit, and he started slowing down <laughs> a little bit again. But, yeah, absolutely. A legend was made right there. Yeah, so I don't know, like, uh, Jonathan Drew, what's Jonathan Drew on ceiling? Uh, he, he should be close to a point-of-game player with a lot of flair, and, um, and excitement, and should be more prominent on the, on a power play as we move forward here. He should power plays made the extra ice is made for a guy with Drew skills, and they have to figure it out. He's too important to not produce on the power play. Yeah, for sure. You see him too, though. Like his passion is showing through this year. Like last year, even when he would score a goal, he'd be like Mister Serious and go back to the bench. But now he's he's showing how excited he is and that you know once you have that feeling you only want to build on it so i'm not i'm i'm pretty excited to see what he's going to do this year yeah and uh, who did he knock uh, over the uh, hot road oh yes that, that was, was like, on into the bench. Yeah, right over the yes, bench yes it was like, great I do a double take was that Drew it there? was him yeah yeah that was in dallas yeah, I was going to say, right. I don't yeah. recall. When was that? Yeah, it Oof. must have been Dallas. Yep. Just knocked a player into his bench. It was great. Well, the... <laughs> Wish we could remember who it was. But, <laughs> but... <laughs> Knocked him out of our I'm, memories. I'm a, I'm a big supporter of this player's, and I believe in him. And so I'm uh, looking forward to what he's going to do this season because mm-hmm. I think he's going to do it. Well, again, most most players when they when they're on a national stage like the Memorial Cup, and and mm-hmm. I know Nathan McKinnon is you know in a you know one of the ult- yeah. one of the real good players, but Drew I wasn't far behind in terms of his ability to to just take over games, and and uh, uh, he just sometimes will lapse into oh I'm in Halifax and right. I can stick handle my way through three or four people. It's not a it's not about that. It's it's just about uh, making smarter plays as you progress and get more confidence and, and figure things out. Know your opponents. That's one of the things that's pretty obvious that one of the Canadians, one of the things that the Canadians put a high priority on is hockey IQ. Mm-hmm. Hockey IQ isn't just knowing the game. It's knowing situations. It's knowing who's out on the ice when you're out on the ice. Um, it's being aware of everything. And they got a they got a bunch of really smart players, the Canadians do. Tons. Yes. Oh, my God, yeah. Between Suzuki, Paling, and Kotka Niemi, I mean, what a log jam that is, and a good one too. Uh, moving forward, especially now, let's see, like who else uh, is going to be coming up? Uh, crap, nope, I lost my train of thought. For some reason, I was thinking of Alexander <laughs> Romanov. Is he going to be a guy that's for next year or the year after? Do we think now? Because I think his contract up is up in Russia this year. Well, isn't Bears been going in December? 
Yeah, they're going to try to get him here for next year. That's, you know, good luck with that. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're going to try. And that's an indication, I think, that, uh, you know, that, that that is a concern. The left, the, 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 some depth on the on the blue line right now is, uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's an area that I think they'd still like to address. Yeah, because every once in a while, and we've we've seen it more than a few times, I think this season, those last minute uh, stints uh, by uh, you know whatever opposition team in the last minute of the game, and they're able to really hem the Habs in in their own zone and manage to get a goal and whatnot. It just seems that clearing the zone every once in a while is a big hurdle, and it carries over into the penalty kill too. They just they get the puck maybe one or two touches a possession too far and they just you know they get hemmed in again in the zone so i kind of wonder yeah, well, some of that is size too i mean you know you're, you're it's just gravity <laughs> no, uh, yeah. because when 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 the you know the most of the teams they're up against have bigger stronger wingers uh, who, who take advantage of their size uh, the open ice the canes are as good as anybody uh, they can play with tampa five on five they can play with toronto they can outplay toronto they can they can play with anybody in the league five on five but uh, once they're outmanned uh, and you go to the dirty areas, that's it. Just doesn't matter how big a heart you have. Sometimes the bigger guy, all they got to do is lean on you, and it, and they're gonna end up with a loose puck. Right, right, yeah. for sure. Hmm. Well, what will happen? Well, with that, uh, Mitch, we've had you on for a good amount of time. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else to to bring in, Beth? Do you have anything to ask, Mr. Melnick? I, I do. It's not hockey or baseball related, though. Uh-oh. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. I know this. This is gonna. This is a difficult question. Um, <laughs> God. But I know you're a big music guy, so yep. I want to know if you have a favorite concert that you've been to. Jesus. Oh. Uh. Well, the greatest. Uh, there's three that jumped out. One is okay. the greatest. The greatest single set i ever saw and the fact that i was sitting front row center at the forum for it uh, had a lot to do with it but steve ray vaughn and double trouble open for dire straits this was like the uh i want my mtv this is when dire straits was humongous and uh and i'm a big mark knopfler fan but uh steve ray vaughn that night was just uh, uh nothing to do with uh i was there with elliot price actually Oh, cool. um, he was just absolutely on fire, and I've never, I've never felt that way at a concert again in my life. As a big guitar guy, uh, the, the awesome. Bruce Springsteen any any Springsteen concert, he's the best live act in rock and roll that I've ever seen. Four mm. hours. I mean, it's interesting when he wrote his book a few years ago. He admitted he had some, uh, he suffered from depression, and because that's that's like uh, he he was working everything out every night on stage it's not normal you're giving fans what they want but that's like it it, 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 it drains it, you yeah it's just i can't i couldn't imagine what that's like every night yeah. for, for a whole tour to play like that three and a half four hours and but the overall vibe of a show for me it was the rolling thunder review at the montreal forum in 75 when uh uh, Bob Dylan was playing his uh, his gypsy punk role with the makeup Ooh. on, and he had Joni Mitchell and oh. and Joan Baez and uh, all these guys um, and and uh, women, uh, Ronnie Blakely and Allen Ginsberg was hanging out. Uh, if you haven't oh. seen the Scorsese documentary, it's definitely worth seeing the concert I haven't. footage. The concert footage, a lot of it was shot at the Forum, is just tremendous, and. Uh, so that was probably, as a fan, as a big Dylan fan, the, the most. That was his best era uh, for me. And uh, that night at the Forum, that was also long, like three and a half, four hours with an intermission. It was just Oof. fantastic, fantastic stuff. That sounds like a dream. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, what a good yeah. question, Beth. The only, thing, the only thing I'm looking forward to music-wise is Rage Against the Machine might play New York next year. Great. <laughs> no, man, that's some heavy, heavy headliners there, play. Mitch. Well, it's good timing, I guess. Man. I guess, especially oh. if Trump if Trump gets reelected, they'd be. Oh uh, no, no, stop! Not Colin. Yeah, that's a uh, that's gonna be yeah. Okay, I got it too now. Okay, yeah. sweet. Okay. So, but um, Recovery. yeah, no, at absolute perfect time. It really makes you wonder if just the climate pretty much brought the beast. Of Rage Against the Machine back. It's they were a, like, all right. 
Yeah, it's an interesting story with those guys because De La Rocha, woo, he's a he's a passionate fella. Mm-hmm. Uh, their lead singer there. But gotta be. Yeah, who yeah knows? I mean, look, if you're an artist and and you react to your environment, right, and you feel you have something to say and you have something to add to it, those guys especially, uh, I could I could see I could see. Well, I don't know the story at all about what led to this, but I can imagine it's got a lot to do with the state of their country right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clearly. I... And Dave and Beth are in the States. Hey. So... Yes. Hey. <laughs> We're trying our best. <laughs> yeah. You're doing a good job, you guys. Thanks, <laughs> Veronica. You're the best. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was awesome, Beth. And um, I think that's it. Uh, Mitch. Thank you yep. so much. Thank you so oh, my much. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. For coming on. We we definitely enjoyed it. Uh, we listen to you as often as we can. And uh, you're one of the best uh, you know, ambassadors to hockey and sports and uh, that we got up there in Montreal. So thank you so much for coming on. My yeah, pleasure. What a, yeah, what listening. a treat, Mitch. You're like my touchstone every day when I'm pissed off about hockey or pissed off about Twitter or pissed <laughs> off about what people are saying on the radio. I wait for Mitch to come on, and I I, I so appreciate the work that you do and, and uh, the energy that you bring to the station that I love so much. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I appreciate that. It's just uh, it's just a game, right? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I understand passion. Passion's great. It's what makes... It's what makes sports yep. <laughs> enjoyable and worth following. But uh, there's a bigger picture than that. And um, it's, uh, I, I just, maybe it's part of the aging process. I hit a milestone number over the summer. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, what's more important, yelling at each other or being kind to each other? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and I think, I don't know if it's an outgrowth of, of the political process or what but there just seems to be the most mundane issue turns into a us versus them you're on their side i'm on this side and there's there's way too much middle ground for people to be so um so uh, divided yeah yeah we share the same planet we share the same planet so let's try to get along okay yes sounds like a plan i can get along with that (laughs) thanks for the invite Thank yes, you. Sir. Yes, sir. We'll thank you, you so again. much. Yeah, we might. Pleasure. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'll <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. take care of the call, sir. Thank you very much. And he's off. We did it! Yay! That was awesome. Mitch Malik is pretty cool. I'm glad that we could oh, get him on. That was awesome. Yeah. Was so cool. What a what a dude. What an experience. Yeah. Jeez, he's been to some cool concerts. <laughs> Like holy crap! Yeah. I can't imagine even imagine going to a concert with him and John Liu. I can't. Oh, oh my please. god! Please, please! I just fainted. Come back, Veronica! <laughs> please, please. Smelling salts. Okay, yeah, there I'm we back. go. Okay, so we actually do have another. We have a good amount of time left. We have another ten minutes, but I didn't want to keep him up all night. The poor guy. Yeah. Um, no. I'm wondering what else we can talk about. There's I have, a, we... I have, a, I have yes. Beth has. Oh yes, you do. Please okay. say them. First, the mail was fake. <laughs> the... Sean Shapiro of the athletic <laughs> clarified that on his Twitter. Please look at his Twitter. It was, it was two <laughs> staffers from the Dallas star. That was like, how are you going to sneak a jar of mayo that size into an arena? First of all, you can't be pregnant with that. It's the wrong shape. Okay. Yep. It's not going to fit under a toque. It's too hot in Texas still for a toque. It was fake. It is probably pudding or whipped cream in there. It wasn't actual But mayo. why were they dipping their fries? To, to the actor, actors. A, the actors. They were like, oh, Canadians eat fry. I mean, eat mayo on their fries. And I eat mayo with my fries. It didn't seem that weird, but I'm not going to eat it know. with a spoon. It's not, I mean, it's not just Canadians. Like, people down here do it, too. People. The Dutch. It's like, the Dutch yeah, the Dutch. It. They, it's like their biggest thing there. Yep. I'm not like. They were just trying to make fun of Canadians. However, however most assholes. However, most Americans will see somebody dipping a fry into any any smattering of mayo, and they'll be like, "Oh my god, what are you doing? Do you hate freedom?" <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. so it's interesting. Okay. I mean, I like mayonnaise, but I, me and I wouldn't try it on a French fry though. 
not by itself. It has no. to have something else. Like Thanks bacon. For the mayo update because I You're didn't know. You're welcome. Yes, my mom tagged me in a thing on Facebook. I was like, mom, it's not, it's not real. That's so, lucky. Grumbling. How do you, you know? No. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was I was writing, so I messed my. <laughs> so um, what I think should happen tomorrow with the Bruins is that the Habs bring an actual bear into one of the sections and have it <laughs> eat like um, a grizzly. And have it eat like clam chowder, and then the camera pans over. It's like, oh, look at this bear that came into the game. How silly is this? How stereotypical Boston? And then the Boston fans will be like, uh, listen, uh, nobody brought a bear into the stadium because bears are not allowed in the stadium. Like people think, 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 think. People, please. Oh my God. Yeah. As soon as I saw that tub of mayo, I'm like, no. Yes, salmon. Yes, they do. Are there salmon in Massachusetts? Yes. Okay. Are there? Oh, yeah. They're all over the Northeast. If there is not one salmon in Massachusetts, I would be shocked. Somebody's going to correct us. Massachusetts. Massachusetts, where the wind goes screwing down the (laughs) plane. Okay. Now I'm going to get yelly. I'm so sorry. Yes. Okay. Do it. Do it. Ryan, Ryan Paling was called up. And yeah. he was slotted in with Lekkonen and Byron. Our children. And, oh, God. Yes. And Twitter lost their collective shit. <sighs> Honestly, like, I don't want to be, like, one of those people that's, like, you never <laughs> played the great game and you don't know what you're talking about. Because well, I've never played hockey in my life. I played I can't even skate. TV. Yeah. I, that's about it. I, oh, I I'll teach skate. you guys to skate. I can do that. Yeah, let's go skating. Let's in go. Oh so my let's go. Yes! God. Yes. We've talked about this. Yes. But I need my like walker thing. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Wait, I'm not okay. done yelling. I'm anyway, mad. Okay. Um, but half of the people, most people yelling about this would sell their soul to play on the Habs fourth line for one game in their entire life. Are you kidding yes. me? If I had a chance, put me in coach. I don't care if I'm going up against Milan Luchik's. I'm going to try my best, sir. <laughs> and this, this way, like, I'm going to the hospital. Paling, thinking that Paling, the, the thinking that Paling gets called up and he's not going to be on the fourth line is what got him placed in Laval and scratched for the first few games in the first place. Um, he's played one, one, one. NHL game. Uh, and he but got he a, has he, an NHL record. He got a rooster <laughs> trick. Yes, that happened. But as my mom has always said, since I was a little girl, she said, once it's happenstance, twice is a coincidence, and three times is a pattern. Paling is still at the happenstance stage. Mama says. That's right. And while... Mama says. Look, uh, Claude Julian can see his potential. We can all see his potential and what he can bring to the Habs. He's not at the point where he can knock one of the other centers down to another line. You want to have depth. Paling allows us to still have depth without cooking yummy down there. People just need to calm the fuck down and also just be nice to your fucking hockey team. Like, yeah, they don't, maybe Paul Byron hasn't scored yet. Lekkonen's got what? One goal, maybe two, two officially. Two goals. Um, yeah, the second one in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, Bishop didn't get a shutout. (laughs) Yay. Just be patient. I still had shit tweets today about Lekkonen when I said, suck it, haters. Like, meaningless goal. He scored a goal. He scored more goals than your favorite have. Yeah. And Ben Bishop, like, we we all dislike Ben Bishop, but he's not easy to score on simply because he's so no. He's just tall. Ben Bishop, he he is a good goalie. But he's a he is, goddamn he, he's whiner. He's a prick. Yeah. Oh, and that Quit was. you're crying. Cry more, Ben Bishop. Oh my God. See, and you know what? Something knock his teeth out again. And something. Whatever. Something. Brendan Gallagher. Oh yeah. Oh, Brendan Gallagher lost his lost a tooth. Now, admittedly, that's a, that was such a weird thing because you look at the replay and he totally <laughs> ran. He in ran into that stick. He skate, 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 face stick. Now, 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 now. As said, though, every player is responsible for their stick. And so, yes. there, I don't know. There's a lot of speculation there. You should have been called. I don't know, actually. That's a tough one. But uh, that sucks. I, 
For him to lose his first tooth because he pretty much face planted into a stick. Can you sucks. believe the way that he plays? It's the first time he's lost a tooth. Yeah, it's uh, it's. That's insane. It's like he's overdue. He's lost more fingers than teeth. <laughs> oh, oh, David. What? It's true. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Say Weber. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I agree with you, Beth. Like, nah, Beth, I'm the, with you too, of course. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like, I don't know how, do you, how you expect. I mean, it's just people getting their frustrations out online and what they would probably do in your living room. If they did that in my living room, I would kick them out of my house. <gasps> yeah. But it's just. But also, of, like. Sorry. Yeah. No, go. Like just go, also go, go. like if you have if it's in person conversations, then like after like fifteen minutes it's done. But when it's on Twitter, people see it four hours later and they bring up something fucking yes. Else. And I'm just like, it, just get over it. Like Twitter, social media. Don't need to be rehashed every six hours <laughs> for three days straight. Yes. Yeah. And people Ryan Paling being on the fourth line is definitely. One of those things that doesn't need to be rehashed all night long. Oh, good lord. Until and also the trolls tomorrow. who you will never hear from them until the Habs lose. Or mm -hmm. Shea Weber has a bad play. They're just, like, they're under their rocks and they will only come out. Who's eating? Beth. Not me. No, I was it's David. I'm not, it's not eating. No, was, I was making noise, but it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't food. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, Dave. Dave. Okay, fine. I'll apologize. But yeah, like it's just like social media is actually the worst. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, even though I recently, Lucky is asking me for, she's. Starting to get angry. She was like, oh, oh I heard that one. <laughs> yeah. She was like, you said um, my name, Mom. I heard you. I've got to go soon. Um, But um, it, I've been on Twitter now for 11 years. Yeah. It was my anniversary in October. Woohoo. And had it not been for Twitter, I would not know so many of you. And that is a wonderful thing thing in my life which I've really enjoyed it's brought it's it, it added a whole new layer to my enjoyment of the hockey especially kind of feeling isolated out here in BC um there's a ton of Habs fans out here but I only see them when I go to the Habs games uh in Vancouver when we overtake Rogers Arena but um yeah so I wouldn't have met you guys and I wouldn't have had this other level of enjoyment quote unquote but yeah the, the negative Twitter and the sort of, I just, I still don't see how you're actually helping. I, I'm probably not, I, I know that I'm not helping with my sort of encouragement and support on Twitter, but you're not hurting. Like I'm not hurting. I'm also it. being and realistic, but yeah, be realistic. Don't be a jerk. Well, when I was on, um, when I was tweeting from the happy hour account, during the what game did we come back to win? Vegas. Vegas. Jinx. I was tweeting during that game. Come on, let's go. We can do it. Let you know there's one, there's the other one, you know, blah blah blah. Like people people just become really negative and talk about how they're not going to do it when they have no idea. Yeah, and they fucking did it. And they did it. They were down four to two. With 11 minutes, they were they came into the third period two to two, tied two to two. Vegas went up three two and then four two, and you know what the Habs did? They found a way to win. Yep. And as soon as again, Jeff Petrie and Paul Byron and Max Domi were on for overtime in the first shift, I'm like, this it's over. First shift, it's going to be over. And what it's, happened? It was over. It's not only yep. that, but as soon like I was there watching. <gasps> that's right. And as soon as they won the face off, I was like, that's it. 
It's over. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, however they were deploying, the Golden Knights just, they had no idea what they were doing in that overtime. It was over <laughs> immediately. Now, admittedly. And Petrie. Oh, in, my God. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he breaks into the zone by himself. Whatever, With Petrie. Cycling. Overtime yeah. hero. Jerk. Whatever. Anyway. I don't, so, yeah. So, but at the second period, though, I was not having a good time. I was yeah. like, this is bad. It's and I I think I tweeted it. I'm like, it's gonna be a miracle if we can get into overtime, and lo and behold, we do. Hallelujah! I was like, oh, a miracle occurred. But then and again, <laughs> as soon as the faceoff happened, I'm like, mom, we're winning this game. She's like, whatever. And then bam, I was like, yeah! <laughs> How exciting! That was also Halloween night. I was, was dressed crazy costumes. I was dressed as a Scoops Ahoy. Uh, character from Stranger Things with a Habs cape on, and um, yeah, we won. Neener, neener. Neener, neener. Okay, so now you have to wear that to the next game you go to. Yeah, yeah maybe. Those are the rules. Maybe. Oh god. You'll get on the jumbotron. Nobody like, knew my my costume. Everyone was I like, I was like, are you a little sailor girl? Everyone. <laughs> everyone was like. Yeah, everyone was like, hey, ahoy, mate. I'm like, well, somebody doesn't have a Netflix account apparently. <laughs> I didn't know who you were either, David. Um, and I have Netflix. Blows my goddamn mind. <laughs> it's okay. I'll send pictures of what I was, okay? Yeah. Jeez. Anyway, now we are overtime. Now we do have overtime. Overtime. And that's it. Thank you for listening, everyone. <gasps> Bye. Bye. And thank Bye. you, Mitch Melnick. Bye. <laughs>